And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20. You'll save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And I will be writing solo on this one for you today, breaking down the Colorado Rockies' 12-8 to loss, a real frustrating one at the hands of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Arguably, I think really, truly their first real clunker of the season. Uh, not a good performance from starting pitcher John Gray. A key defensive error late again. Um, the offense obviously still continues to click. Another huge day at the plate for Charlie Blackman. A huge day at the plate for Nolan Arenado, which could mean good and big things for the team moving forward. Uh, there are a lot of weird elements to this one. You can also chalk this up to being the first sort of Coors Field game of the season. Early on, I saw on Twitter a lot of people... After the first, you know, the, the first pitch of the game, change up away to Cole Calhoun. John Gray hung that thing. Not terribly, not right in the middle of the plate. And you don't expect a guy to be looking to blast a change up the other way on the first pitch of the game. Any other time you would say it's a bad pitch. First pitch of the game, it's Typically not going to get you hurt like that, but Cole Calhoun, to his credit, went out and got it. Uh, it turned out to be uh, a harbinger of things to come, right? Um, now, before I get into this, I want to have as the context to this bad John Gray start. He did not have good stuff. He did not pitch particularly well uh, in any sense, right? His fastball was topping out. At 94 miles an hour. In fact, his velo has been down all season. It's not something that I'm concerned about moving forward yet. I do. We, we've seen this, these dips in his velo before, particularly early in seasons, and he tends to build up to it. If that doesn't start to happen over the next couple of starts, I will start to be concerned about the drop in velo because John Gray can't live how he currently pitches on a 94 mile an hour fastball. And you saw the manifestation of why tonight he can get swings and misses on the slider and he was getting some, but far too many balls in play. He wasn't getting the swings and misses in another ballpark. 
the way he pitched out there tonight with his C minus D plus stuff for him could have still gotten him a victory or, or gotten a quality start in a lot of other ballparks in San Diego or Oakland. That's still going to get you a decent start, but at Coors Field, like we saw out there tonight, it's going to get you crushed, not crushed in the, in the typical sense, right? They were not teeing off on John Gray tonight. Now, let me look this up really quick. I want to see. He gave up four hard hit balls on the evening, according to StatCast. Obviously, the Cole Calhoun home run. And believe it or not, the hardest hit ball of the evening was a Christian Walker single that started off that fourth inning. None of the hits that did the damage that drove in runs, and you all know this, you you watched the game, you saw what happened, but still it, it bears repeating. It bears saying out loud. These were seeing eye singles on the ground, any number of which very easily could have been ground ball double plays that managed to escape any damage whatsoever if they're just a foot one way or the other, but that's part of the risk of allowing the ball to get put in play quite so often, right? But then the number of bloop hits out there, particularly to center field. Now, it's also worth mentioning, the Rockies had their fair share of bloop hits in this one as well, right? So it was a very Coors Fieldian game in that way. And a lot of people out there, if they're not familiar with it, might think that that means the ball was flying out left and right and four, five, six home runs were hit, uh, but not the case. In fact, after the Calhoun home run, all of those hits, there, there were a couple of doubles right after that from Marte and Christian Walker. The Christian Walker home run or uh, double was not hit hard at all. He was totally fooled on that pitch. Uh, and then there was all, it was all singles after that single, after single, after single, after single. And that's going to happen sometimes at Coors Field. Um, it's only really something I'm going to be concerned about with John Gray. Like I said, if moving forward, he can't get a little bit more velo back on that fastball. He can't start getting more swings and misses, uh, relying a bit more on his slider. There are a few other things that he can do. And still, all that being said, with this version of himself, you're not going to have that many 68-mile-an-hour bloop pop-ups land out there in center field, especially in a row. It's not just that so many of them have to land. It's that for them to actually produce runs, they have to stack up. And that's exactly what they did out there against uh, John in this one, and particularly I wanted to find, no, nope, that's Peralta against Bard. The one that, that run him, ran him from the game, and I'm pretty sure it was David Peralta. Yeah, that final little bloop single, right, where, where David Dahl came running in and then he made a little bit of a defensive miscue trying to pick it up and fired in and another run scored. That was John's last play of the game. That ball was hit where I, I had it and I lost it. 60 six miles an hour off the bat. It just, and, and that came after singles at 88 and 86. 94 is okay. That's, an, that's but still like none of those balls were crushed. And in that inning, expected batting averages of 240, 
790 apparently on the 88 mile an hour one from Marte, who had a huge night, four hit night from him. Um, and five, actually 500 on the David Peralta one from John Gray. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the one above it. That's Christian Walker's lineout, 660 on that little blooper because Coors Field is so big, I guess. And if you get the launch angle right in there, but it was a an unsustainably bad performance, I think, from John Gray, both in terms of his execution. Uh, you're not going to see that too often out of him. And just in terms of the luck, you're not going to see that many number of bloop hits fall in uh, against John Gray. It, I, I don't think, you know, we know it can happen. It typically doesn't happen to that kind of explosion, but... Every once in a while, you just got to take those. You got to shrug them off. The Colorado Rockies were also due for one of these. They had gone 21 consecutive games where their starting pitcher had not surrendered more than three runs. So really uh, across the board, we know what they've been doing this season. That stretches back to last season. Um, so I, I really think they were just due for for a bad game from their starting pitcher and to for one of these bad luck games we had talked about this before too yes they'd had some luck go their way tonight they had no luck go their way and that's going to be a part of it will i, I was talking earlier about gray's drop and velo and I, I agree i don't think it's a mechanical or injury thing I, I do think it's just a matter of him building his rhythm up and i think it will come back we've actually seen these slight dips before and people have said, oh, no, John Gray's lost his velocity. He's not the pitcher he once was. And then he comes back. Uh, it has happened actually several times. So uh, as I was saying before, I'm not going to be too worried about the drop in velo until, you know, he makes another two or three starts and he's still topping out at 94, 95. Then I'll, I'll start to, to worry about what's going on there. But beyond that, no, I don't think that that's going to uh, continue. Uh, and while the innocent, not necessarily looking for 97 miles an hour, but we know he can touch 97 and, and he, he should be able to sit. I mean, he's had times in his career where he's sitting 95, getting 96 with some regularity. And that that's the type of John Gray that you, you need to see for him to be most effective, especially in order to get that slider to work, to get guys really biting at the slider, which still appears to be a pretty good pitch. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I really do think that this is one of those tough ones, right, because we've been talking about all season how it's a sprint now. It's not a marathon. There's 60 games, not 162. And because of that, you've got to play things a little bit differently. At the same time, baseball is still the same game that it's always been. And you can't, and I'll say this for everybody uh, on the team that's struggling right now as well, the, the hitters, whether you're talking about David Dahl had another rough night, Ryan McMahon and all the strikeouts. We know about you know what's been going on there. Uh, Tony Walters going 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Just because it is a sprint doesn't mean that baseball players can magically cure themselves of slumps faster than they could before. It also doesn't mean that managers and GMs magically have somebody else they can go to 
to do better, right? That you should just bench anybody who's struggling because it's a sprint. It's a very fine line to walk here, and, and you do have to have a shorter leash on guys, but your leash can't be one game, right? What, <laughs> right? So we talked about this yesterday, and now the Rockies have their first losing streak of the season, the first time they've lost two in a row, with the Chris Owings error, right? He's not going to do that very often. The Trevor story, I, I know it wasn't an error this evening, um, technically. I'll call it a defensive mistake uh, that he made late. We're, we've seen a few of those now. But even then, I don't believe that Trevor Story is now a bad defensive player. I know Chris Owings is not a bad defensive player, even though he made an abhorrent defensive play the other day, right? The same way we knew that Nolan Arenado wasn't a bad hitter during the slump and look at him go out there, four-hit night. I agree with Stash Tony's uh, after the day off. I I do think that we've seen it many, many times before in his career and Nolan doesn't get very many days off. But when he does, he usually comes out the next day, has a big game. He did out there in this one, just obviously frustrating for for him and for the ball club and for you i'm sure that he wasn't able to contribute to a win with those four hits and uh was it three rbi i think he had um the good news the dodgers lost and so your colorado rockies remain in first place in the nl west Lost to those Padres, those pesky, pesky Padres, still trying to figure them out. But, you know, Henry, I, I, I see your comment up here at the top, and I, I don't think the pitching is going to continue. To, like, this was an aberration. Again, you, this is why it's so difficult, these balances, right, where it was bad out there tonight, and there's no excuses for it. That said, it was one game. You hand the ball to Kyle Freeland tomorrow. You know, you see what you're going to get out of Yancey Almonte, really the first time he's had a rough inning so far this season. Maybe hand him the ball again right away tomorrow. I do think that there's a, a good chance the Colorado Rockies are buyers at the trade deadline if there are sellers. It's going to be a really, really strange market. I, but only in the way that they typically are, right? They're not going to sell off Brandon Rogers for something, right? They're not, they're not going to sell any of their top prospects, but they could go out and get uh, a reliever, which they've been very successful at. Jeff Bright, like that's one thing that you can absolutely just put on the positive side of Jeff Breidich's resume is an ability to acquire relievers in the middle of contending seasons that help the team win games. He's done that successfully each time he's been given an opportunity to with Pat Neshek in 17, Sonwan O in 18, and I could see them absolutely trying to go that exact same route. I agree with Liam that they're not going to risk their future. Uh, I don't agree that the rotation is shaky, though. Um, it's, 
I, I, I like this comment here from Asiel saying, today felt like a bloop day, both literally and figuratively. Uh, agreed. It was just a, a bloop. Look, man, baseball is still going to baseball, right? It, this stuff is still going to happen. And you can't overreact to wacky and wild games just because they do count that much more. You can only accept, you know, so many of them, that's for sure. And and accept is a tough word here, but you can't go away from John Gray, who started out the season very well. Uh, You can't bench Trevor Story for his defensive miscues. Not that anyone's calling for that to happen. I see some people asking about, you know, benching Tony Walters or having Elias Diaz hit all the time. It's all, look, look. Look, I get it, I get it, I get it. Spotty, okay, I like that, Liam. I, I appreciate your addendum. From shaky to spotty, the rotation can be spotty. You're right, and it, and, and Coors Field's going to be a part of that. It makes it difficult to be consistent all the time. But if you know Freeland goes back out there and does his thing again and gets you a quality start and then Sensatella gets you another quality start and then Marquez keeps doing the Marquez thing, and then Gray gives you a quality start again. You're going, wow, okay, now, nope, now the Rockies still can claim to have one of the better rotations in all of baseball with this one bloop, blip, whatever we want to call it, right, on the resume. So, it, you know, we, you got to take it in. You got to tighten up. But your ball club, with the Dodgers' loss, still has the second most wins of any team in baseball. And the team with the first most wins of any team in baseball has lost to your Colorado Rockies both of the times that they played them, the Oakland A's, who, are, who just blew a lead as I'm speaking to you now. Now, they haven't, they haven't lost the game. It's 9-9 in the eighth. They had a decent lead over the Angels there. But again, wild and crazy night out there. I think across baseball. The Phillies were up 13 to 1 on the Braves. Braves came back to make it 13 to 8, but they still lost. Seattle, by the way, after taking that finale against the Rockies, went and put a beat down on the Rangers 10 to 2. Padres pick up the win over the Dodgers, as I mentioned. The Giants continue to be not very good, except they picked up a win over the Dodgers. And I'm sure there were Dodgers fans, you know, panicking. How can we lose to the Giants? The Rockies lost the one to the Giants and Rockies fans. How do you it? It's still baseball. Now it does put the pressure on to come out and try to win these next two games to re I mean, you want to try to win, try. What kind of sentence was that? What that was such an empty. Let me back up from whatever word salad nonsense that was and say something with a little bit of meaning. The Colorado Rockies need to come out with extreme focus to win these next two games against a division opponent who has a bunch of guys who crushed them. David Peralta wrecks against them. Uh, Cattell Marte, Starling Marte, all the Martes wreck at Coors Field and against the Rockies. So there's a lot here that on Kyle Freeland's plate. But good pitching beats good hitting every time out. The Rockies did not get good pitching today. They did not get good defense today. They still managed to make it an 8-7 ball game late and have an opportunity to come back and win that thing, though it didn't end up happening. And, uh, Joseph, you point out, you know, some of the the decision-making. Here's what I will say is 
is the flip side of this. And it's, I think, perhaps unfair because it's not anything that managers have ever had to deal with before. But so while I'm saying we can't overreact to one bad start out of John Gray or an over three, three strikeout game from Walters or, you know, even a, a 16 game slump out of a guy like David Dollar, Ryan McMahon, you have to trust that those guys talent are going to win out over the course of another couple of weeks and that they're going to heat up as a guy like Charlie Blackman finally comes back to earth. And he will, I promise you, Charlie Blackman will fall off a little bit. And I know that for the same reason that I know these other guys are going to heat up a little bit. It's just the nature of the game of baseball. You have to trust that that's still going to play out over 60 games But that means that on these individual games, you put even more of a magnifying glass on those managerial decisions. And so I think what you could ask is, after Gray had given up the four runs already in the first three innings, and and like I said, very clearly just did not have his stuff. He wasn't hitting his spots. The fastball was topping out at 94. Stuff was hanging up on him. Could in this 60-game season, or should in this 60-game season, have Bud Black considered going out and getting him just after three? Look, it's not your day, kid. Four to two, I think, or maybe four to one. It became five to two. That might have been what it was. Can't remember exactly. I could bring it up. You know what I'm talking about. Could have gone to Hoffman there. I think those are the kinds of things. Because on, like, the next day's roster, like, you... I I know it's like a favorite pastime of people to argue and argue and argue about the lineup every single day. And I really think it's a thing that you need to be semi-consistent with a couple of spots that you know are going to move around and those guys know are going to be moved around. And as much as you can, play the hot hand, play the righty who knows he hits against lefties when there's a lefty on the hill. You saw Chris Owings go out there and hit another home run today, though it's against a righty, interestingly enough. Um you just can't get too carried away with benching guys over poor performance. But you can in individual games, I think. And and you can you can get especially pitchers, you can get them out of there, right? Um and so we're just going to have a heightened focus on that throughout this season because I I think that's an arguable uh decision. You you can say, "Look, Gray just didn't have it. It was predictable that he was going to uh, end up giving up a few more runs there because he just couldn't get uh, the tilt on the slider. And he he just didn't have the fastball today. And in the last couple of games, while he hasn't had the velo, he's at least had the location on all those things and the absolute bite on the slider. Didn't have him today. You could see it. I get why they were hoping they could get one more inning out of him. And I get why they were probably saying, oh, man, they're not really hitting him that hard. And, you know, some of these are going to be at the defenders. They're not all going to fall in, but they all fell in. And so uh, that that's just what you've got to live with sometimes out there. And, and if that ends up being the same for Freeland, it could be a rough series. You know, these guys are making good contact, and he's a pitch-to-contact guy. He's been avoiding barrels pretty much all season, but could end up being a rough, a rough one. You could end up needing very, very many Breck Brews. I know plenty of places you can get them down at King Supers. At Davidson's, you can get it from curbside pickup or delivery. My favorite place, though, is to go down to the farmhouse. You call 303 803 
1380 from noon to 8 p.m. Use the code DNVR. You'll save five bucks on both the food and the beer. And I'll tell you one of the things I love doing when I've got myself some Breck Brew, other than watching Colorado Rockies baseball, of course, and talking to you all, is studying a little bit at MSU Denver Online at msu.edu slash online. They got all kinds of fantastic classes and courses for you. You learn smart stuff. That's a phrase I learned, particularly at MSU. Now, they really do have a fantastic, fantastic set of classes for you. Teachers that are super responsive. They know how to deal with this online education world that we are living in. So definitely check them out if you want to make sure that you are the sharpest version of yourself that you can be out there tackling the world and making your name out there doing the thing. So, yeah, a wildly innocent, right. First two losses in a row, sky is falling. That, that, that it, it did feel like there were, you know, people searching for solutions on uh, what is still a first-place team, what is still an 11-5 and five team, what is still a team that threw out eight runs tonight uh, that came back and, and made it a ball game when they very easily could have folded. And, and I get why people are frustrated, and some of these things are starting to develop into deeper patterns. But all of that said, I mean, you knew all of this. You, you knew this. If you're listening to this, you knew that I believed this team was going to be a good baseball team coming into the year, and so I wasn't surprised by the good start. I'm also not surprised that some of these types of games are going to happen, and some cold stretches are going to happen. The starting pitching wasn't going to have an ERA of 250 all season. And these things balance out a little bit, but uh, the series win is still on the table. And even that, when you look back at it, like in a vacuum, the Rockies based on their record and talent should beat the Diamondbacks based on their record and talent at Coors Field in a, in a home series, right? The Rockies should be able to to win that series on paper. But it's also unlikely that any team wins six consecutive series. Uh, like, that's that's tough to do. Uh, and then if they do, well, then winning a seventh would be that much more unlikely. But you, you, you got to keep it day to day. I do think we're going to be paying really close attention to these, you know, managerial moves and, and is Bud Black doing things differently enough in a 60-game season because that's where the onus has to be. It can't be David Dahl, if you have one more O for game, then you're benched. You can't, like, you can't force baseball players to suddenly go outside the norm of how they operate. Um, there's no way to force them into this world of 60 game sprint. It's got to be the managers that recognize and pull those levers. But like I said, it's, it's such a tight balance because you bench a guy that doesn't help him heat up. And if you replace him with somebody who's also struggling, well, now you've created two problems, right? Cause you're not letting the other guy, if it's doll or McMahon or, Walters, uh, or if early in the season it was Arenado, you sit him for one game, so you find your time. Sit McMahon for a game, then you get him back out there. Uh, you, you know, 
you got to find time to do all of that. If John Gray goes out and has another really bad outing his next time out, then you start to wonder. You start to worry a little bit more, right? A third one, then you do wonder about skipping him a start, moving him to the bullpen for a second, figuring something out, especially again if that velo hasn't come up. That may seem like a lot, but that's still a short sample size. That's still like in any other season, that would be not nearly enough time still, right? So the mechanics of the game of baseball haven't changed just because the schedule has. There's no way to force players who are in slumps to unslump faster than they normally would because, come on, buddy, we're on a tight clock here. It's going to... You know, it's going to be on, on managers to, to figure it out. And there's, and there's no way for them to know, man. That, that's the other thing. It's like at the same time, what well, we do have to focus on that. It, it's going to be tough for me knowing exactly when to come out and like heavily criticize a move like tonight. Oh, you should have gone to Jeff Hoffman like in the fourth. Like what? Like no other season would I be saying that regardless of the score. You got to let him eat it at that point. He hadn't even thrown that many pitches. He still ended up coming out earlier I think than than you might have at any other time but that's the nature of of the season that we're playing here you can lose two in a row you can even lose a series and the Rockies again have put themselves in phenomenal position here to if they play 500 ball the rest of the way comfortably make the postseason I know that everyone listening to this would like for them to maintain their pace to start the season. Probably not realistic expectations. They're not going to win 70% of their games this year. But they've still got a shot at the division especially if the Dodgers are also dropping games to the likes of the Giants. And the Padres. One of the old things in baseball is that momentum is the next day's starting pitcher. Bad game, shower it off, hand the ball to Kyle Freeland tomorrow, see how he handles it. It was a rough one out there. It's been a long night. It's also almost a four-hour baseball game, so I'm going to go ahead and say thank you to everyone for joining us for this podcast. Hopefully, you're subscribed on all the social media and on the YouTube to make sure that you don't miss whenever we're going live right after every single baseball game. We are going live with post-game analysis like this and a lot of other times just for fun. Sometimes we do DFA show to play games, to have fun. Otherwise, just make sure that you're subscribed to the DNVR.com. You get yourself some cool merch. You read all of the articles there, and you just continue to be absolutely awesome. I promise you, it is one promise that I can keep every single time, that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.